Welcome to the Hill City Podcast. This is a recording of the weekly gathering from Hill City Church. We exist to help people follow Jesus and build their lives around three goals. To be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. If you'd like to join us, we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Caustic Center in Farmington Hills, Michigan. We hope that today's message will help you follow Jesus. And this is the second week of Advent, which represents peace. The second candle recalls that after all of the division, destruction, and dispersion of the kingdom in the Old Testament, there might finally be peace on earth. Jesus is coming, and so is his kingdom of peace. Our scripture reading is from Luke 1, 30 to 33. In this passage, we are reminded of how Jesus will come and to bring peace as the long-awaited Messiah. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Luke 1, 30 to 33. We light these candles as, a, as signs of God's hope and peace. May they be reminders that call us to repent and to live the good news of Jesus as we wait, watch, and labor for the day when all people will gather together to worship and glorify God. Amen. If you were not with us last week... We are in the midst of a season that is known as Advent. Advent is just a word that is used to describe a, the season of anticipation for the arrival of Jesus. It is the four weeks that are leading up to Christmas Day. And so we anticipate all the things that Jesus came to bring us. And those things that he came to bring us are the very things that we need most. You could even say they're the things that we've always wanted. And so this is where we find ourselves in this time. Last week, Adam talked about peace, uh, or I'm sorry, hope. And this week, we are talking about peace. And so I don't know about you, uh, but I remember uh, back in the day, back in the day, um, like a little, long, little bit ago, like 10 years ago, uh, Black Friday looked a lot different than it did today, right? Everyone talks about the decline that technology has driven us into. Well, one of the good things is Black Friday is not quite as, as it used to be. Uh, we used to, uh, we, we never really participated, my wife or I, but I have family. I have an aunt who like at midnight every, every year on Thanksgiving, she would be out She'd be ready. She'd have a list for all the rest of the family. She'd, she'd love the line. She'd love the fight. She'd love the drive. She would love to do that. And as her daughters grew up, they, they would all go with them. And we would literally give them things to buy because we didn't want to go out into Black Friday shopping. Now here, if you, if you don't remember those days, I, I just Googled. Black Friday chaos. Uh, and here's just some pictures. Um, this is a fight in the Target parking lot that was taking place in a line. Uh, that's one thing. Here's, here's another thing. If you've never been, experienced this, uh, this is, you don't have to do this now when there's just, you know, 
Amazon uh, on Black Friday. You just order a TV. You don't have to fight for the 30 TVs that are available to you, or you don't have to fight these lines uh, like you used to have to fight before. Or maybe if you're not used to that line, this was the line that I was more uh, accustomed to, uh, the line that would wrap around the building. Um, and then once you got inside, this is what you would often see, just more fighting for TVs, right? This is... This is what it would look like, right? right? This is what Christmas looked like for many people. When you would say the, the, the very time of Christmas, it was a time of chaos and craziness and, and busyness and stuff and more. And if I were to remind you that this is actually a time of peace, you would maybe turn your head and go, really? Seems kind of stressful to me. The reality is, is that Jesus came to bring us peace. Last week, we looked at a passage. We sang about it here this morning, and it's found in Isaiah 9. This is one of the kind of penultimate passages when it comes to what the Israelites, the Jewish people, were looking forward to in Messiah. And here's what it says in Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what? Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish us. See, this is one of the primary passages, as I said, that describe the coming hope and desire for the Messiah of the Jewish people. And this is what they had in mind when they expected a Messiah to come. He would re rescue all the Jewish people from oppression. He would rule as a king in the line of David. He would, his rule and his reign would never end, and his kingdom would never end. His rule and reign would bring peace to all people. This is what they imagined when they were looking forward to a Messiah. And so as they anticipated, as they hoped for, as they looked forward to the future, for the arrival of Messiah, this is what they were expecting, someone to come with power and with authority and with position that they could leverage to free the Jewish people so they could experience peace. In fact, as you read through the Old Testament, much of what you will see and find is a people who were looking for a king or a prophet or a priest to rule and lead them into peace, to make them a great nation or kingdom that would ensure prosperity, strength, and peace for all. This prince would usher in a kingdom without war or without conflict. He would, he would bring in wholeness and completeness and restoration to the tattered pieces of the world and souls of the people. This prophetic declaration that we see in Isaiah 9 was meant that God was not abandoning his people or his promises. And it meant that he would establish a new government and a new way of life that would ensure wholeness and security for all people. This is the backdrop to Advent. And so often we just simply forget this. We forget that this is what Jesus came to introduce us to. 
that the world had been longing and looking for this kind of peace and all these different things. And Jesus came in the most unlikely way, in the most unlikely manner, but gave us the very thing that we've always wanted. And it's with this backdrop that we again listen to the reading that Jim and Mary just read for us that's found in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, where Mary is speaking to the angel who has come to her. And she said, and it says, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Sound familiar? How will this be, Mary asked the the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I love Mary's response here. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. See, Mary is receiving this promise, this prophetic utterance from the angel. And in her mind, I can just imagine that she has Isaiah 9 playing. Is this truly going to be the Messiah? Is this truly going to be the one who is from the line of Jacob, whose father is David? who is going to establish a rule and reign that will bring peace forever and ever. I believe it is because her simple response is, I am your servant, Lord. Whatever it is that you desire, I am willing and I am open. Many people thought that the primary reason the Messiah would come was to come and bring peace to bring this kind of wholeness and completeness over the land, to rescue them from the oppression. All throughout scripture, we see this kind of oppression happen to the Israelite people. And so the Jewish people, they were hoping that they would come and they would now be freed from the Roman rule and oppression of the people. And make no mistake about it, friends. While Jesus did not come and do the things that they thought he would come and do. Jesus came to bring peace. Jesus came to bring peace. Peace for our weary souls, peace for our greatest need. He came to fulfill the entire law of the Messiah. This was the longing of the Israelite people, and this is the longing of you and I here today. And I believe that when we hear this word peace, we automatically kind of assume that the the areas that we experience conflict in, and and here's just a few. We experience conflict in kind of an inner conflict. We experience an inner conflict. Oftentimes, this is kind of what most people think of when they think of peace. They want to experience an inner peace from the inner turmoil that they are going through. People have always struggled with fear and with doubts and with uncertainties. And so we seek out ways to deal with these struggles. We long for this kind of inner peace. Mental health professionals tell us that the Christmas holidays, the time of peace on earth, is often one of the most depressing as expectations go unmet and as stress 
multiplies. And so we, when we hear that Jesus came to bring peace, we think that he came to bring peace from our inner conflicts. And maybe if you're not struggling with inner conflicts, maybe you are struggling with interpersonal conflicts. You are struggling with other people. And let's be honest, we are always struggling with other people at some time or another. And my guess is you, at some point in your life, have struggled with other people. Crime, racism, abuse, violence, these are everyday occurrences. I mean, you turn on the news and it's, you're not surprised to see that being reported on. This is the reality of our world around us. We long for a peace that resolves the interpersonal conflict in our lives. And maybe you're sitting back and saying, okay, it's not really the inner peace or the interpersonal peace, but maybe you're longing for an international peace, right? It's a, you're longing for world peace. And it's no, no surprise. We, again, we just look around the world and we see that there is a need for international peace, whether you're looking at the war that's still raging on between Russia and Ukraine, or you're looking at what's happening in Gaza right now. There's no surprise that our world is in desperate need for international peace. In fact, uh, when you when you uh, would always see these kind of like cartoons of genies and lamps and everything like that, we people would always kind of criticize you for using your three wishes on you and not for like world peace or something like that, right? Why? Because there's a realization that the world has been at war since the fall of man. And this is the reality that we live in. And what becomes clear in these three different areas is that our need for peace is real. And each of these examples ultimately show us that our peace is measured by our circumstances. You see, what we experience is that in our culture's kind of definition of peace is if you have less kind of struggles, then your peace will be greater. But if you have more struggles happening, then your peace declines. And this is what we determine our peace by. We think of times when our circumstances were easy for us as times of peace. Or times when our circumstances were difficult for us, those are times where we lacked peace. We needed more peace. But my question to you here this morning is this. Is this the peace that Jesus truly came to bring? Is this the resolution of conflict that we actually need? While these things are, are worthy and worthwhile, I really believe that Jesus did not come to simply give us peace in these areas. He came to give, give us peace in, the, in a greater area that maybe goes unrecognized often. To better understand the peace that, that comes with Christmas, we need to look at what peace actually means throughout Scripture. And in the Old Testament, the word for peace was shalom. In the New Testament, the word for peace was arena. You have the Hebrew word shalom, the Greek word arena. And while they are two different words, different languages, their meaning is the same. The meaning of this word is not freedom from war or conflict, but rather it is rest, tranquility, wholeness, completeness. When you do a word study on these words, what you will find is that these, these kind of words were used to describe a rock that had no cracks in it. It was used to describe a wall that had no gaps or no missing bricks. It was something that was whole or complete. 
This is why Paul writes and tells us our greatest need. Our greatest need is not inner peace from inner conflict. Our greatest need is not inner person, peace from interpersonal conflict. Our greatest need is not peace from international conflict. Our greatest need, friends, is peace with God. That is our greatest need. And Jesus came to bring peace on earth. I believe that 100%. But the peace on earth that comes in the birth of Jesus is peace with God. And again, this is why Paul writes to the churches and maybe perhaps most clearly in Romans chapter five, verse one, he says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is revealing. He's revealing in this moment our greatest need. Our greatest need is not all the other areas of conflict to be resolved. Our greatest need is to have our peace with God met. But there's only one way that peace with God is met. Through faith in Jesus. That's the only way. Jesus came to offer his life as a sacrifice for our lives. His perfect life paid the penalty of our sin for our imperfect life. His perfect life covered over our imperfect life. And so we receive forgiveness of our sins through faith in him. Faith is not simple belief. Faith is belief married with action. It's a belief in understanding who Jesus is as a son of God, who came to live and die for our sins. And then the action is an act of surrender continually to him. Where every day I die to myself and say, Jesus, it's not about me, it's all about you. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the act. It is an act of surrender. And in that act of surrender, we come and we are formed more and more to the image and likeness of Jesus. This is what Jesus came to bring. This peace and forgiveness is available to anyone, to anyone who puts, who puts their faith in Jesus. But it is only found in Jesus. We can long for it in different areas, but peace, peace alone is found through faith in Jesus. Look at what Paul again writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 2. When he says in verse 14, for he, Jesus himself, is our peace. You can try and find it in, in good circumstances for your life, but you will always be grasping at air. Why? Because Jesus himself is our peace. He has made the two groups, the Gentiles, the people who are not the people of God, and the Jews, the people who were the people of God, one people. And he destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And in verse 17, he says, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we have access to the Father by one spirit. See, when we were enemies of God because of our sin, we did not have access to the Father. We had to obey certain things. We had to adhere to the law. And Jesus removed all of that through his life as an ultimate sacrifice for us. And he gave us access to God through the Holy Spirit. This gift of peace is for everyone. 
Peace comes through Jesus, and Jesus gives us access to the Father. So what we're beginning to see here is that these passages, along with the Advent passage that we read earlier, they show us the heart of peace. And it's this, that peace is more than the absence of problems. It is the presence of a person. Friends, if you wanted to know what peace was, it is not the absence of problems. When Jesus was born, the world's problems did not ultimately go away. They still existed, but yet the angels were able to declare peace on earth to the shepherds. Your circumstances may not necessarily change the moment you put your faith in Jesus, but you can experience a lasting peace regardless of what you're going through because of the person of Jesus and what his life has done for you. He is our peace. In the midst of chaos, Jesus was born and ushered in a peace that the world had never known before. It, if we desire this peace, then we need to seek it in the person of Jesus. And so Advent is a time to remember the most important peace we need is not found in more stuff, but rather in the coming of Jesus to the world. This peace is not theoretical. It is, this peace is not passive. It is for you. And if you don't believe me, let's just look at Jesus' words to his disciples in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, Jesus' desire is that you and I would experience peace. He desires it to go to every single person. And here's the beauty of it. He doesn't just give us a little bit for what we need. No, he doesn't give just a little bit to be stingy. No, he doesn't give as the world gives. He gives as the Father in heaven gives. He gives as the creator of the universe gives. He gives us abundantly the kind of peace that meets the deep depths of our soul. And he ensured that everyone would have access to this kind of peace long after he left the earth. The kind of peace that would be a catalyst for life in the kingdom against fear, against brokenness, and against darkness in our souls. But we need to remember that this does not mean all of our problems goes away. Just because God desires to give us peace does not mean that we will experience a life free of problems. Remember, that's not what peace is. But... Peace is God on the move in our lives. Peace means that God is with us in the midst of the struggles that we will walk through. Again, all we have to do is look at to the words of Jesus in John 16, when he says, I have told you these things so that in me you have peace. This is his desire. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Friends, we may still experience issues and hardship and toils and struggles in this world, even as followers of Jesus. But the beautiful thing is this, that Jesus has overcome the world. And so the peace that he gives us is not just a peace that we can hope will get us through. It's a peace that has already proven to be able to break through the most difficult struggles that our world has to offer. It is a peace that still went to the cross, but rose again. 
the disciples in those three days, they may have said that they were experiencing a lack of peace because they were basing their peace on the problems that they were facing. And they were reminded that peace is not the absence of problems, but the presence of a person. And, they, and we serve a living God who still lives to this day. Though we may still have problems in this world, we can take heart in knowing that Jesus has overcome the world. And there will be a day when all problems will go away when he returns again for the second advent. So friends, this is the peace that Jesus came to give us. Now here's the reality. We talked about this again last week, that there is actually two advents in our world. There is the advent of Christmas where Jesus came But then there's the second advent where Jesus will come again and he will make all things new and he will redeem his people and he will bring his people back into a place of wholeness and completeness for all of eternity. And so theologians, they call this, we are living in the now and not yet. We have now experienced in Jesus' coming, but we have not yet experienced its fullness because he's not come back. And so there is a reality that we can experience the peace now, but we have not, we're not going to experience it in its fullness. So how do we continue to make sure that we are experiencing this day in and day out as Jesus' people? This is what I want us to spend the rest of our time talking about. And I believe that one of the very things that we have to train ourselves in to experience this kind of peace continually is to focus on what Jesus is doing and wants to do. I think this is an important aspect of peace. So often what happens is, while we may know theoretically that peace is not the absence of problems, but the presence of a person, we are tempted continuously to look and measure our circumstances as our way of experiencing peace. It's just how we, how we roll in this season. It's hard to fight against. But the reality is this, if we want to continually be a people of peace who experience the kind of peace that we've always wanted and we've always needed, then we need to take our attention and our focus off of our circumstances and we need to begin to focus them on to Jesus and what he is doing and what he wants to do in our world and in our lives through his will. This is what Peter says in 2 Peter 1. And I just took an example from one of the epistles, but many of the apostles, the disciples, they entered into, they introed the passages or their, their, their letters to, uh, to the different churches in similar ways. Here's how Peter says it in 2 Peter 1, 2. He says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace. I wonder if he introed in that way because he understood that those were the two greatest needs that we long for in our world, the need to be forgiven and the need to have peace with God. But he goes and he says, may you grow in your grace and your peace as you understand the knowledge of who Jesus is, as you understand the goodness of his will for your life. You see, we will experience more grace and more peace as we understand who Jesus is and what he has done for us. 
And we won't just experience it in small ways. We'll experience it in abundance as we grow in the knowledge of God. So what Peter is saying is that the more you understand about who God is, the heart and character of God, as you grow, you will understand more and more what his will for your life is. And so your circumstances will not determine your peace because you will have your mind and your heart, they will be set on things above, not on things that are around you here on this earth. And so when you are reminded of who God is, the greatness of his character, that he has a plan for you, you can begin to experience the peace that you've always longed for. Friends, this is important for us to understand that God's goal for you is not happiness. As difficult as that sounds, the God's goal for you is not happiness. His goal for you is holiness, that you would be holy, that you would be made to look like Jesus. And listen, I believe, you've heard me say this, that I believe God came to give you life to the full. But that full does not necessarily equate to happiness. Easy circumstances, that life to the full is a life that is in full surrender to Jesus where you are beginning to look more and more like him. That is God's goal for you. And I believe this, as hard as this may be to hear, our suffering and our struggles produce far more in us to look more like Jesus than our times of happiness and joy and uh, easy circumstances. Our mountaintops are far less formative than our valleys. But it's in our valleys where we, our focus needs to be on what Jesus is doing and what he wants to do in us and through us. Those are the things that form us. If we focus on what God is doing and wants to do, we'll see that he's forming us into the image of Jesus. We'll see that he's teaching us what it looks like to follow him. We'll see that he's producing in us a deeper faith. We'll see that he's removing deep-rooted sin from our hearts. These are the things that God wants to do. But so often we just focus on the things that are happening in front of us. We need to shift our focus to be on what God is doing and what he wants to do. The other week, Adam and I were uh, touring a spot that we are going to be using uh, in 2024 for some events that we'll be doing. And there was a school tour happening at this place. It's this beautiful church in in, uh, West Bloomfield. And so um, they have one of the largest um, bell towers in the world. I can't remember what they called it. It's like all these different bells that are connected to this organ thing. And one of their largest bell is 12,000 pounds. Their smallest bell was like, I can't remember what he said. It was like, it was like 0.2 pounds or something like that. I mean, just, just wild. And so the, the bell tower is open because of the school tour. So we go up the bell tower and it was incredible. You could see all over the place, but I took these pictures and they turned out terrible because I went to go show them to Danielle afterwards and she was like, cool, uh, like what am I looking at? Because here's the thing, the camera couldn't focus on what was beyond the screen. It kept focusing on the screen. And so I'm at the top of this bell tower, the tallest place, the tallest spot in like as far as you could see, there's lakes all over the place, there's this beautiful area and all I got pictures of was screens. And I wish I could show you, but I deleted them right away because they were such garbage. Uh, and so, right, so they were just there, like all I could see was the screen. And because all I could, the camera would focus on was the screen, it blurred out all the beautiful things that were in the background. 
Friends, this is what happens when we focus on our circumstances rather than focusing on what God is doing and wants to do. We miss what is beyond the circumstances. We miss what God desires to do in us, what God desires to do through us. Friends, we need to focus on what God is doing. So that's the first way that we can cultivate peace on an ongoing basis. The second way that we can cultivate peace is by cultivating a heart that longs for the presence of Jesus. I mean, just think about the simplicity of the Christmas story. Before Jesus was born, there was no peace on earth. The moment Jesus was born, the angels declared to the shepherds who were watching their flocks at night that they brought good news with great joy that a child had been born and that who had brought peace on earth. The presence of Jesus was the very thing that ushered peace into our world. And he is the very thing that continues to bring peace to our world today. And so the work that we have to do is to practice the presence of Jesus, to learn to live in the now, the not yet, to learn to live in this place where we are constantly where we are in the tasks and stuff that we have to do, but we are also in this space of walking with Jesus. It's not enough just to long for God's presence in our lives. We need to live in a state of constant connection to the presence of God. And here's the beautiful thing. God desires that. He longs for that. James 4.8 gives us one of my favorite promises in all of scripture. That when you come near to God, he will come near to you. That is a promise that we can hold to and take hold of and live out each and every day. As you practice the presence of God, he will draw near to you. So what does that mean? More presence means more peace. Do you want to experience greater peace with God? It means that you draw near to his presence regularly throughout your days. Remember, peace came in the presence of Jesus. So as we practice his presence, we will experience peace with him. When I was a freshman in college, I lived uh, at MSU. My dorm was right next to one of the IM uh, spaces. And it was the space that a lot of pickup basketball was played. And so I would go there and I would play some pickup games every once in a while. Well, after a while, our Bible study, our dorm Bible study said, hey, let's go on Wednesday nights and let's just play together. And we'll just kind of take on whoever wants to go. And it was great. Um, I loved that uh, because one of our guys was on the practice squad for MSU. Uh, Shelton Parker was like 6'10", 6'11", just a huge man. Uh, and pretty much our game strategy was this, get Shelton the ball. Because he can do whatever he wants around the rim. Even though he was on the practice squad, he was still one of the best basketball players I've ever seen. And guess what? Whenever Shelton was there, we won. Like, and not like kind of one, like we wiped the floor with anyone who came across us. Like we would be playing against AAU basketball players, doesn't matter, because Shelton was 6'10", and all we had to do was pass him the ball, and he was, you know, inches away from the basketball rim, right? That's all, that's all we did. Our confidence was very good when Shelton was with us. When Shelton couldn't play, not so confident. Uh, the, actually, the exact opposite happened. Because we hadn't developed really any skill, our game plan together was just pass the ball to Shelton. And when Shelton wasn't there, we were in trouble. Uh, we got the floor wiped with us, right? We got destroyed in the midst of it. I say all that to say, because who you have in your presence can make all the difference. Friends, 
having the presence of God in your life each and every day, cultivating a heart that doesn't just want it, but longs for that and pursues it and does whatever it takes to get into the presence of God will bring and usher this kind of peace that we long for into our lives. What I've experienced is oftentimes when the the moment trouble arises, our presence with Jesus fades. We just don't have time for that anymore. Because I got to start dealing with all this stuff that I have happening in my life. And the reality is this. When our problems arise, our time with Jesus doesn't need to decrease. Our time with Jesus needs to increase. I need to sit more in the presence of God because in those moments when big troubles arise, my, 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 my heart gets shaken. And I need to come back into the presence to experience the peace that only Jesus can bring. So my advice to you is when you feel a lack of peace, you need more time in the presence of God, not less. As you spend more time with Jesus, your eyes, your heart, and your mind will settle on his character, his attributes, and his heart for you. When God becomes your focus, your problems will begin to settle into place. I'm not saying you will, they'll be perfectly resolved, but they will be put into perspective. And one of the easiest ways, to, I believe, to practice the presence of God is by practicing it through prayer. Practicing it through prayer. Early in my faith, what I believed I did, I don't think I would have had words for it at the time, I believe I viewed prayer as an add-on. So as long as I read my Bible, that was the important thing. Because the Bible is God's word to me. And then if I had time, I would add prayer on. Or if I was going through a really difficult time, I knew I should pray, so I did. Or because I, want, I was hungry and I wanted to eat, I had to pray because, you know, that's what good, good Christians do, right? This is what I thought prayer was. And I've now determined and discovered that prayer is not a thing about my faith. Prayer is the thing in my faith. Prayer is the thing that I need to cultivate and shape my heart around so that I can experience the presence of God. And you want to know the crazy thing is, the older and more I've walked with Jesus, I find the less I say in the presence of God through prayer. Oftentimes, I enter into it and I just have to sit still before him. There are are times when my heart doesn't even know what to pray. But I'm thankful for the promises that we find in the book of Romans that says, when, my, when I don't have words to even groan, the Holy Spirit comes and intercedes on my behalf, as Adam read last week. This is the reality. Prayer is the very tool that we have to enter into his presence And this is why Paul encouraged the church in Philippi in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Oh, isn't that what we feel when we have a lack of peace, anxiousness? He says, but don't be anxious about anything in every situation. In the big things, in the small things, in the easy things, in the hard things. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And what will happen when we do this? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You might be going through it right now. Paul says, pray about it. You might be in one of the darkest seasons of your life. Paul says, pray through it. You might be lonelier than you've ever been before. Paul says, pray in it. 
You might not know what the next step is in your life. Paul says, pray about it. Prayer is not your magic weapon to get whatever you want, but prayer will give you the peace that will guard your heart so that the circumstances that you come up against will not shake you. It protects your heart and your mind in the midst of what you are going through. The, uh, uh, a few weeks ago, I was talking with, my, with one of my kids. Uh, she had had a kind of rough day, and uh, I was talking to her, and we just talked through it. It's kind of one of those things, you know, she was asking me questions, or I was, I'm sorry, I was asking her questions about her day, and she said a kid was not very nice to her. We talked through it. I asked her, what does she know to be true, and all these things. And afterwards, she said, thanks, Dad, I feel better. Simple thing, you move on from that, right? Friends, I wonder how many times we are missing out on the opportunity to just have our focus repositioned on what matters most because we forget to pray. We forget to go to our Father who wants to listen to us and hear us and in the process remind us of what is true and in the process protect and guard our hearts from what we can experience, the anxiousness that often comes from, from tumultuous circumstances. And God says, I just want to remind you of what's true, what you know, what you can hold on to, and I just want to protect your heart and your mind. Prayer is our way of tapping into the heart of the Father to be reminded about what he is doing. So we need to practice prayer as our way to practice presence. So all this to say, friends, we must remember that peace is available to us in the person of Jesus. And what that means is peace is not a temporary feeling, but the practice of continually turning our attention to Jesus. This holiday season, this Christmas season, this Advent season, the goal is not to add more to your plate, but rather the goal is to continually turn your heart to the person and presence of Jesus. Peace is not something that we're meant to feel in a moment and then move on from. Peace is meant to be a permanent place of being for the follower of Jesus. And we lose peace when we lose sight of the person of Jesus. So the work of this season is to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So this Advent season, let's remember, let's remember what we are celebrating we are celebrating the arrival of Jesus into the world, the fulfillment of that hope and the coming of everlasting peace that is available to everyone who puts their faith in him. So this Advent season, my challenge to you, the call that I want to give to you is to lean into what is on offer to us. Lean into what is on offer to us. We are not waiting simply for a future peace. We are leaning into what is on offer to us now. Peace comes to those who need it most. So how can you lean into what is on offer to you this Advent season? How can you break the rhythms of our culture to experience the fruit of peace? We can experience peace with God. I want you to hear me. We can experience peace with God. This kind of peace comes with order for everything that has been misaligned in our world. And as we experience this peace, as we experience this peace, we will be reminded that we have been given everything we need in Jesus' coming to earth. We will be able to join with the angels who declare glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those whom his favor 
rests. That is a longing for us today. That is longing for us in this Advent season. And the beautiful thing is the church has a practice that they are able to participate in where they are able to lean into the presence of God, to remember what he has done, and to claim that for ourselves. And it is the act of communion. And so today, to end our time, we want to simply practice this simple act together. I don't know what tradition you grew up in, But scripture tells us that on the very last night that Jesus was alive, he spent time with his disciples over a meal. He broke bread with them and he said, this is going to be representative of my body that I gave, I give for you. He poured a glass of wine, told them this is a cup, a new covenant, a new way of relating to me. That's not going to come through the law or through what you have to do, but rather through peace or through faith that will bring peace. He says, whenever you drink, I want you to drink in remembrance of me. And so, in in essence, what Jesus was telling his disciples is, I want you to remember what I've done. I want you to lean into what I've, I've done, but I also want you to claim what I'm offering to you. This is the act of communion. And so here together, we just want to practice this. We want to remember Jesus's body that was given for us, this perfect life that was used to cover us. We want to remember his blood that paid the penalty of our sin, that paid the price for our sin. And we want to simply lean into the presence, say thank you. Thank you for what you have done for me through your life, your death, and your resurrection. And so wherever you are, whatever season you are in, if you are experiencing an abundance of peace or if you would describe this season as a bit chaotic, I want to remind you that your that peace, the peace that you can experience is not dependent upon the circumstances that you are going through. It's not a temporary feeling. It is a permanent state of being that comes with the person of Jesus into your life. And so wherever you are, we want to invite you to remember Jesus's life, his death. There are sins you need to confess. Confess those before the Father. But enjoy the presence and the peace that comes with his presence. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're just going to give you a few moments on your own to reflect and remember. And then when you're ready, you can take the bread, drink the juice on your own, and we will come back together and celebrate through a song of worship together. Father, we thank you for this reality. Lord, we thank you for the truth that Scripture gives us, reveals to us about the meaning of your life, Jesus. You were not just a baby who was born in a manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. You were the Prince of Peace, the fulfillment of that Isaiah prophecy. When you came, you ushered in a new way of experiencing peace. Before that, peace depended on circumstances. After that, we could know and understand and experience peace like never before. And so Jesus, today we come with the simple act of remembering. And in our remembering, we pray that you would come near to us, that you would fulfill that promise that we have in your word and that your presence would change everything in our lives. Lord, may we not try and seek your presence through good works or through good actions or through good deeds. May we be reminded that this comes through faith. And so, Lord, if anyone here needs to surrender to you, 
the fullness of their lives so that you can bring wholeness and completeness and restoration to them through their forgiveness. Lord, I pray that they would surrender in their own words before you. For the rest of us, Lord, I pray that we would simply remember how your blood is enough. Your life is enough to cover even the darkest sins in our hearts. There is nothing too far beyond the reach of grace and mercy that comes from you, Father. And so Jesus, we participate in this simple act of communion, but we understand that in this moment, heaven is opening up and descending here in this place through your presence, meeting us in a powerful way. Jesus, we thank you for the peace that you have to offer to us. We enjoy it now in this moment. We pray this in Jesus' name.